So again, you're very welcome to Mass uh, this morning. This is uh, the high point of the day, so it's all downhill from here, really, I suppose. But, uh, but this, is, this, is, this, is, this is just a miracle. This is, this is where heaven touches earth on a daily basis. It's, it's spectacular. It's, uh, it should be such a joyful experience. Like we were saying yesterday, when, when we consider prayer, uh, it's very, very helpful to start our prayer time thinking, this makes me happy, as opposed to starting my prayer time going, oh, okay, I have to put down an hour now, what will I do? Maybe if, if I read something for a half an hour, maybe it'll, and then I, then I stuff in a rosary, then the, the hour will be almost over, and then I'll be free again. You know, so if we start our holy hour with, with an attitude of, oh, Jenny, how do I get through this? As opposed to, I get to spend an hour with Jesus. I get to spend an hour with the Lord. And the phone can ring, and I don't care, and the doorbell can ring, and if the fire alarm goes off, I'm not going to move. I'm going, to spend, I'm going to spend my hour here with the Lord. Nothing's going to budge me. And you just, you know, you get to spend that time, that time uninterrupted with the Lord. It's fantastic. Uh, so it's, just, it's, so, it's so helpful to, for us, again, just to, to have a, a healthy attitude, a kind of a, like a, a punto di partenza, they call it in Italian, like our starting point, a starting point, a healthy starting point in our prayer life, as opposed to I'm distant and far away and small and useless and God is way up there almighty powerful and in the light and I have to kind of roar up to him to get his attention and maybe he'll hear me or maybe there's lots of other people roaring as well so maybe he can't hear all of us at the same time so if I'm here or not here does he even notice does he care would it bother him if I just hit it off so, I mean, our attitude is so important. Our attitude will, will, will profoundly affect our, our prayer lives. So when we, when we attend Mass thinking, this is going to be great, I get to receive Jesus, then I think you'll find you get an awful lot more from Mass. Whereas if you go to Mass, can I tell this story? Probably can, probably shouldn't. The ones I shouldn't draw is the most interesting. I may have, okay, so I was, I was celebrating Mass in a certain place which shall remain completely nameless. And uh, there was one particular lady who whenever I would celebrate Mass, when I would come, it was random who would celebrate Mass in that church. So there were a couple of priests in the parish. So there was no program. It's not like you'd always had Father Ryan on a Monday and Father Kelly on a Tuesday. It was randomly assigned. So when I would come out of the sacristy, this one lady, she'd look out, look out the, the, the bell would ring, and then I'd walk out of the sacristy door. She'd look over and she'd go, and then, and then she, she leaned over to the lady beside her and then, look, and then look up at me and she sat there like she sat right in front of me and so with the whole mass I was like how are y'all this morning aren't you wonderful <laughs> but anyway uh, so okay let's, let's get back to business here a couple of days ago uh, we went to a Fairground activity, fun centre, one of those kind of, what are they called? Playground, what are they called? Activity centre? Amusement, Amusement park, thank you. Amusement park. And uh, there were all sorts of bumpers and things to make you sick, generally. <laughs> and uh, waltzers and uh, all sorts of yokes. But this one thing just caught my attention and fascinated me. Right? It was a ridiculously high... It's a bit like a propeller, right? So there are four seats up here, four seats on the bottom, and it swings around like that. Now, it must have been, I don't know, maybe 30 metres high, ridiculously high. Fantastic in a lightning storm, I'd say. Um, 
Now, it only, it only took eight people at a time, but it was, just, it was stupid high. And then once it starts spinning, obviously when it starts going around properly, the seats don't turn anymore. So you stay upside down as you're coming around at stupid speeds. And maybe it's just a little boy in me, but I, I'm just fascinated by those things. I'm fascinated by kind of pushing the limit a little, if I may, if I can, if I'm allowed, if I'm not allowed. <laughs> just push the limit a little. How far can you go? Uh, and this thing, is just, I, I, I'd be on every other ride, and I'd still kind of be looking over at that, and I'd be on my bumpers, and I'd still be looking at this big yoke going, could I, would I, should I? Um, and uh, in the end, nobody would go with me, so I didn't go. <laughs> it, it was everybody else's fault. Uh, but it was just, it, it is, it's an interesting thing how... Uh, in different ways, in different ways, people are kind of fascinated by danger or risk or pushing the envelope. And not all in the same way. I mean, I, I was a bit of a daredevil as a child and that hasn't really worn off. Uh, a lot of people maybe are a little more conservative and don't like danger. But we still take risks in other directions, in other ways. You know, we, 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 must, we must take risks in order to progress, in order to grow, in order to, to develop. You, you, you can't just stay where you are or you stay exactly where you are. You don't move, you don't grow, you, you don't meet anyone, you don't develop, you don't, you stay stagnant. You begin to kind of experience a, almost like a form of, of slow decay or death or dying if we would just stay where we are because your world begins to get very, 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 very small. So there's, there is, there's a need in us to actually reach out, try things, go a bit further. Even every time, every time you go for a hike, every time, uh, every time you go out socializing for a night, Anytime a lady puts on stilettos, she's taking her life in her hands, right? How on earth do they walk in those yokes? Uh, but all these kind of risks and things that are taken, why? Why do we do these things? Why do we push the envelope? Why do we, why do we take risks? Because we want to be happy. Ultimately, that's, that's why we do it. Like, if, even when people go out and they drink a little too much or they drive a little too fast or whatever it is, whatever risk they take, they do so because they want to be happy. They're not doing it because they want to die. They're doing it because they want to be happy. And this thrill or this new experience, hopefully, they think, will give them happiness. And to be honest, that's, that's even at the root of, of most sin. We'll be covering that later today. But most sin is motivated by us doing something stupid that we think will make us happy. Something against God's will that we think will make us happy. We're searching for happiness. And that's why this our, our first reading from the, from the prophet Ezekiel, right, where... Uh, he sees this valley full of dry, dead bones. It's, a, it's an ugly kind of an image, because they're human bones. So you've got skulls and rib cages and femurs and the whole lot. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly ugly kind of, a, kind of a, an, an image, really. So what does the Lord want to do here? The Lord wants to take... As, as is later described in the reading, an army, so an awful lot of people, a huge crowd of people who aren't just dead, they're dead and decayed. There's nothing left but bone. Right, so like this is, you're not just dead, you're proper dead. Like you're, you're dead dead. You're dead and there's like, there's absolutely no way of reanimating these things. Like it's just bones. So it's just a very interesting question. Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel is very smart. He said, you know, Lord, because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, not a hope. Not a hope. Of course they can't live. They're really, really dead. So 
The Lord wants to give them life. And so he wants his word to be spoken over them. And there are two stages to this. When he speaks his word over these bones in the first place, the, the sinews, muscles, skin starts to form on them. So now they look, they look human now. The bones come together, the clattering. It's a very interesting kind of an image, the clattering of dry bones coming together and then they get covered, covered in flesh. But they're still dead. But at least they, they look a little better. They have a body. Uh, and then he prophesies over them again. And then the breath of God comes into them and they live. In all that we do, we want to live. We want to be happy. We want to have life and have it to the full. And it's exactly what the Lord promises. I promise you to have life and have it to the full. And even in, in the Tenacolo community, some of you might, might be familiar with them, uh, they were set up by uh, an Italian sister, Sister Elvira, <clears throat> who saw so many, especially young men initially, uh, who had fallen into addiction, fallen into alcoholism and, and drug addiction. And so she saw that there was, there was no point just giving them methadone to try and take them down from their highs or kind of soften their, their, their addiction. That's not the solution. That's not a long-term solution. The reason they're taking drugs in the first place is because they're broken, they're hurt, they're wounded. Fix the wounds, and then they don't need to numb it anymore. But you have to get to the root. So who's going to do that? How? How will we do that? So she set up a house in Saluzzo in Italy and then a number of houses throughout the world. I think there's over 70 houses now. But there's one line in her testimony, in, her, in the story of Tanakh, that always strikes me to the core. And she said, initially, people came with addictions to alcohol and drugs. And then she said, within a short time, young men started coming to me saying, I want to live. It's not so much that they had a particular addiction. They just felt dead. Just dead inside. Like they have a healthy body. They're in their mid-twenties or mid-thirties. And they're, like they're at a, a, an age of, of health and strength. But they just feel dead. And they've tried everything to fill that deadness and to try and reanimate themselves. But it's not working. Why? Because they're missing what really makes us live. What gives us life and life to the full is God. And God is love. The more I, I learn to love, the more God lives in me, the more alive I am. It's, it's, it's a, a, an interesting kind of a concept. It's like in, in our faith, we have these, these two opposites which get stuck together and combined in a, in, in, in a very kind of an unusual way. Death and life. Death and life. We live through Christ's death. And I discover how to love, I discover how to be full by dying to myself. It's, these kind of things shouldn't, these, this is not human logic, and this is definitely not the logic of the world. The world will say, do whatever you want, and that makes you happy. Once you have a career, and financial security, and physical health, and good looks, and uh, a chunky bank account, then you're good. And then you'll be happy, which of course is complete rubbish. It's just rubbish. That's just not true. You have all those kind of things. You can still have a completely empty heart. You can still be betrayed. You can still be wounded. You'll still experience bereavement. You'll still, there'll, be, there'll still be illness and sickness. All those things will still be there. And even having loads of money just now gives you a huge concern over what to do with your money and who's going to use you for your money and who's friends with you just because you have money. So 
it's just a fallacy to think we have all these things that we think will give us security, we'll be happy. Not true. Not true. If, on the other hand, we have the Lord, who is love, and my heart learns how to love, learns how to die to itself for love of the other, then I'm discovering what it means to be fully alive. And that's, that's a tough school. That's not easy. It's why we have this life. It's why we have 85, 90 years of, of, of the school of life to teach us this. It's also even why the, at the end of our, of our years, when physical health starts to be taken away from us, we begin, we begin to experience weakness and memory loss and kind of frustration that I used to be able to carry in the four-stone bag of potatoes from the boot myself. Now I can hardly carry myself in from the car, never mind the shopping. Uh, so our, everything, everything that we counted on starts to get stripped away from us. So what's left? Well, at the end of my life, what should be left is, is a heart that loves the Lord. A heart that has given everything back to him. A, car, a heart that doesn't count on itself and its own abilities and its own success. A heart that counts on God. A heart that has learned to die to ourselves and our own passions and our own disordered affections. To die to them. Die to them. In order that, that I might live. In order that I might discover true freedom. In order that I might discover truly what it means to love. So this is a this is a good school, this is a necessary school, this is a hard school. But it's one that does set us free. People who suffer from addictions, or if you ever suffer from addictions yourself, you know that strangely, fulfilling the addiction doesn't satisfy you. It just makes you hungry, more hungry for the next one. But you're not fulfilled. You're never full, you're never at peace. That's not how addiction works. Addiction you're a slave to whatever you're addicted to. So it's not freeing to do exactly what you want. On the other hand, what they discover in Tenaculo and in other places like that is hard work, responsibility. Stop running from your problems. Take care of others. Serve others, even when you're tired. This is what sets them free from addiction. Not focusing on, on themselves, but focusing on everybody else and their needs and hard work and, and walk, walking daily with the Lord. And then they begin to discover life, freedom, peace, healing. The, the, these young, strong bodies that they have then begin to be, become animated and finally alive. So the Lord wishes to raise each one of us from our tombs. He wishes, us, wishes to give us life and life to the full. True happiness. This is authentic happiness <clears throat> that does not depend on my bank account or my appearance or my success or my business. <clears throat> Good as those things can be. My happiness does not depend on them. My life does not depend on them. They're accessories. They're peripheral. My happiness, my help is in the name of the Lord. Psalm 15 says, Preserve me, O God, I take refuge in you. I say to the Lord, you are my God. My happiness lies in you alone. My happiness lies in you alone. So the more we walk with the Lord and the more we learn in, in just small daily situations to die to our own passions and needs, 
the more alive we are. The freer we are, the happier we are. So we ask the good Lord today to revive our bones, if they are dead and dry, to revive us. To put sinews and flesh back on these dead parts of our hearts. To fill us again with life and with love and with a joy and an enthusiasm and excitement to start every day thinking, Lord, I get to serve you today. I get to do something beautiful today. Lead me, guide me, show me where you want me to go. It's all about you. And then I'll have life and life to the full and then I'll be happy. Lead me, Lord. Lead me with great joy and excitement through this day that I might serve you, my Lord, my God, the source of my life and happiness. Amen.